0: Hui, hui, tui, tui, hui kiteora, hui a hui kite aroha. hui this week on the hui, out of pocket and out of patience. The roading networks that we have now they're absolutely shocking. We're with the Far North people whose lives are impacted by a battered roading network.
1: We don't know where to go from here.
0: Wakokotahi Kotahi fronts up to give an update about the Mangamuka Gorge Road. Plus, we hang out with a Farno business who are making their mark and their money by live streaming local events.
2: We thought about it as maybe an opportunity to, as a family, do something together as a business.
0: and Welcome back to the Hui. We begin the program this week acknowledging Professor Rangi Matamua, New Zealander of the Year for 2023. Professor Matamua is the man behind Matariki and the chief advisor, Matauranga Matariki. The award recognizes an inspirational New Zealander whose accomplishments have had a significant and beneficial impact on the nation. Carrying now and now, if you follow my Hong Kong footballer, the name of him is Panakian Matiki. The motto of the honore I'll take and he's a Hurricanes fan. For now, though, we turn to the north. Mangamuka is a small rural settlement of just over 500 people living in the far north of Teika Maui. But years and years of flooding have repeatedly destroyed their lifeline, State Highway 1, north to Kaitaia through the Mangamuka Gorge. So, why hasn't it been repaired? And what do the delays mean for Farno and locals? D'Angelo Martin investigates. <laughs>
1: We don't know where to go from here.
3: A hapuri without hope. The needs that our people have up here are huge.
4: Cut off and isolated.
5: It's affected me mentally, physically and financially.
4: Forgotten with no clear path ahead.
1: To them it's a game to us, it's our our lives.
4: I grew up in Kaitaia, and I've driven these roads a thousand times. It's State Highway 1 all the way from Tamaki, Makaurau, an essential lifeline for the small communities dotted along the way. I'm about 30 minutes from home, well at least I was. This is as far as anyone can go with no certainty whatsoever on when Mangamuka Gorge Road will reopen again. It's 4 am in Mangamuka. Henare Tautari has to start his day early to keep himself alive. Three years ago, he was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. Now, three times a week, he has to travel to Kaitaia Hospital for dialysis. His kidneys have stopped working.
6: it only take like 25 minutes to get across over the
4: gorge. But not anymore. What was once a short trip is now three times as long. It's just a hassle having to go right around. He's got two options. State Highway 10, the official detour route, which can take close to two hours, or an old forestry road, windy and a route for logging trucks. That is a long way. So, how did we get to this? Back in 2020, a 1 in 500 year deluge caused the Mangamuka Gorge to be closed for over a year.
2: It looks like Mangamuka Gorge has been hit by an earthquake.
4: What followed was three years of disruption with slip after slip
1: after slip. There was hope, there was hope, because it was able to be fixed again.
4: In November last year, the road was cleared, and Hinari's daughter-in-law, Patience Wurimu, thought life was back
1: to normal, until January this year. It was just like, oh, here we go again. Like, it's happening again. But this time it was worse, and then now there's just no hope at all. Yeah.
4: And ever since then, the hapuri of Mangamuka feel like they've been left in the dark.
1: No ones telling us like it's going to be fixed in like two months or whatever. It was just we don't know. It's
4: affected not only those who live in Mangamuka, but also the wider far north community.
5: Piana, <laughs> Diketokai.
4: Close to 200 Te turn up to Te Kura Kopapa Māori or Te niwa every day.
5: Kete ki ko ngāke. It's called Mahi Tahi Me Fire. I love the work that I do. You know the children bring me joy in class. Ew. <laughs> 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 mihi ane. E number two.
4: Maryann Bedgood was living in Horeke, south of Mangamuka, to be close to her elderly parents travelling to kura in Kaitaia every day.
5: I'm happy where I am. I'm living in and My lifestyle there is picture-perfect.
4: The closure of the gorge meant that Marianne's picture-perfect lifestyle was short-lived. Just getting to kura on time became a huge mission.
5: I would travel daily on State Highway 10 to get to school stuck behind trucks or cars. It would take two and a half hours.
4: That's each way. It was exhausting. As a last resort, mary had to leave Horeke.
5: So from Monday to Friday, I'm staying up here with my son. So it's turned my life upside down. I hardly see my parents. It's affected me mentally, physically and financially.
4: That financial toll has crippled Farno.
1: It's horrible. Just for a trip to town is like $180. That's a full tank of gas for us. And then on our way back, we're having to put more gas in.
4: And they're not getting a break.
1: Electricians, plumbers, companies like that are not willing to travel this far to do work. It's a big strain.
4: Locals believe several things have led to the loss of the road. Do you think it's actually a tohu te ao Māori that perhaps that road is not happy and does not want people to be driving on it anymore?
5: There's been a lot that's gone on. We haven't had a summer with so much rain, which is one of the things that contribute to the slipping. The trees three years ago were cut down from the top of the gorge right down. Years and years and years of roots, old trees up there. And the other thing is the trucks. You know, there's a lot more logging trucks. There's a lot more trucks that go through there. With all that contributing to our gorge not being happy with what's going
6: on. They're the ones that'll be killing it off, like the 50 tannas, the loggers. That's a lot of weight
4: for the road. Despite the extra hassle, Henare is resigned to the diversion. So that's almost eight hours a week on the road. Do you think that's acceptable? I don't look at it like
6: that. I just do it for myself to get my health. How do you manage with that much driving a week? Feel drained, tired, like pretty dangerous of me driving back from dialysis.
4: The Hui was unable to access the gorge to see progress, if any on the slips, and despite numerous attempts, no one from Waka Kotahi on the ground would answer the questions we had. Just like the people of Mangamuka, we were not a priority.
1: We don't know where to go from here. No one really comes, us, so it's like a, say, a dead count.
3: The roading networks that we have now, they're absolutely shocking.
4: Far North District Mayor Mokotepania has had enough.
3: We need a significant change to how roading infrastructure is funded in this country. The government's priorities and how they fund roading right now, they favor big cities. You'll get the funding if you're looking at public transport. Public transport doesn't exist here in the far north. And he's got a solution. I want to see the system change to make it easier for us to actually get things done. What we need is our own set-aside funding so that we know that we are guaranteed in rural Aotearoa, New Zealand, our own pot that addresses the huge needs that we have.
4: The hapuri and Mangamuka are left without answers. Have you heard any update whatsoever? No, I haven't.
3: We've just gotten used to it. And they need action.
5: But... I am at the end of my week.
3: Our hui and no bloody tūi. It's a lifeline for our communities, it's a lifeline for our district. And my challenge to my central government colleagues is to change the system so that it actually addresses the huge need that we have here in the funnel.
4: Until that happens, resilience is keeping them going. So I'm here to stay right here.
6: Been here most of my life, over 40 years. Yeah, I'm not looking of moving away from home.
5: I just have to keep on top of the game and keep positive about it.
3: Not something easy to do, but I reckon we can get there.
0: Dangelo Martin with that poodle and a lot of questions in it as a result. So I'll put those questions to Waka Kotahi's Far North State Highway Resilience Program Project Director Norman Collier. He can see, as you can see, he's in the studio here. After this quick break, stay with us. I'll... The ongoing issues in Mangamuka Gorge affect not only the lives of those in the town, but also the small communities to the south and the businesses in Kaitaia that they can't easily access. Joining me now in the studio to discuss the Mangamuka Gorge Road is the Far North State Highway Resilience Programme Project Director Norman Collier. Norm, thanks so much for coming, I appreciate your time. Can I get your reaction to some of the challenges I guess that were we'll put in that report of D'Angelo's
7: yeah it is rather challenging um, technically we we're dealing with a, a, a huge challenge these roads were built many many years ago and um, in 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 the timeline when when those were built we didn't have the technology that we have now in building roads mm. so a lot of the failures we have in the road is actually deep down okay. uh, yeah,
0: so but what about the personal impacts, though, well, on people like Henry, who was in that story? What, what do you say to people like that who have been so significantly impacted personally as a result of the lack of access
7: and the road that they haven't been able to use? I would say that when we fix it this time, we do a good job, and we we take it seriously, and we not that we haven't in the past, but we we, we do um, put that hundred million dollars that the uh, Borders approved to build this road back, repair it, and build it back better so we don't face this inconvenience in the, in the future.
0: I guess the challenge with that, so, so there's, there's a, an issue of miscommunication or a lack of communication with the community, because they, they don't know what's going on. And I know we're going to talk about timelines soon, but what do you say to that? Because they're essentially accusing you of not communicating with them.
7: Yeah, well, we, we've... Um, uh, Hapu has put to us three representatives. Uh, uh, a representative in the north a representative sort of in the, the northwestern side a representative in the South and actually made them part of the project and we've had um, quite significant community feedback sessions in uh, in December and in January this year and we're having another session come this week so um, I so, can just say that we do communicate i think i'll and that's that's part of me being here right now.
0: Yeah, OK, but but you announced on Friday, one suspects as a result of the story, actually, that there was going to be a timeline, and that timeline is for the road to be open in May with potentially limited yes. access in December. Did you talk to the community before you sent that out? Did they know that timeline and that announcement was coming? I believe so, yes. OK, so if you talk to them then, why has it taken so long between January and May for a decision and a timeline to be announced?
7: We had uh, significant technical challenges. First of all, we had to drill and actually uh, understand exactly geologically what we're dealing with. Now, now we didn't know where some of these failures were when it happened. So we had to actually mobilise equipment on site, drill and then do some soil analysis and see what the best method of repair is. Now, the problem is we've got 16 sites where we had to do this. So it's very hard to make a commitment to the community if you actually don't know the answer yourself. The mountain absorbed, over the last year, a significant amount of water. And that water is is seeping through um, quite deep underneath the road. I'm talking in some cases 15 to 20 meters deep. So we had to establish where those points of failures are, and we couldn't make a commitment because we actually didn't know the extent of the damage. Um, If you look with the naked eye, um, you'd think you're just fixing what you see, but you actually got to go very deep and fix all the way down. OK, so we're in April now.
0: We're approaching what is supposed to be a very cold summer. We've had significant climate impacts on Aotearoa, particularly in the north. So when you say the road is going to be open in May, how sure is sure? Because who knows what's going to happen in winter with rain and the likes and floods and everything else. So how sure are you that May is going to be the timeline when we don't know what's going to happen with winter weather?
7: I'm confident the way we programme it that that's achievable. I, um, if, if you're looking for guarantees... Um, It's not something I can give, but what I can give is as many resources as what we can put in that gorge, we will put in that gorge.
0: Did you consider not going back to State One through Mangamooka Gorge? Was was a solution or a potential solution to close that road indefinitely, to close that road permanently?
7: In November, um, end of uh, 2022, um, we did uh, options analysis and a wide range of options was looked at and one of the options were definitely to close the road and not open it again. However, we looked at um, what this road means to the people and what this road means for our network, and we made a decision to, to actually... Um, well, the board made a decision to, to put $100 million towards the rebuild and the build back better of the Mangamuka Gorge.
0: One of the challenges that came in this story from Farno that D'Angelo spoke to was logging trucks and forestry and the impact of forestry, particularly at the top of the gorge. How do you respond to that and what is the solution to deal with that going forward? So for example, would you consider no logging trucks going through
7: the gorge again? No, we won't consider that because your logging trucks is not actually the root cause of the failure we've experienced in the gorge your logging trucks and your heavy vehicles, um, you, you're spreading a load of 50 tonnes over 20 metres. But um, if you look at the weight of what a 20 metre deep um, road is on the side of a cliff, a, a logging truck is, if you compare it to a car, is sort of, let's say you've got an elephant and you've got a mouse on the elephant's back or you've got a, a dog on the elephant's back. You know, that's sort of the, the, the problem here is that that, that actual big, big, big lump of soil on which the road is built, that lump of soil has got a failure 20 metres down and getting washed away with water. So now what we have to do is actually pin all the way through with piles and drill into the... So so your logging trucks damage the surface of the road, but not... 20
0: metres down. Okay, very quickly, a point made by Mayor Mukul Te Pania was for a delineation of funding to go to rural roads, and in particular rural access roads. What's your response? Because, yes, you'll get the 100 million up front, but what about the ongoing correction, the ongoing work to keep the infrastructure of the roads safe? What's your response to that, and can that happen?
7: We at Waka Kutai have a desire for more and more funding to be put to our... Um, uh, ongoing maintenance of our network and help us better maintain our roads in the future. But funding conversations is, is, is a balance. Of... Do you
0: support the idea, though? Of yes course. or no? Yes, of course. So, so it can happen?
7: Well, more funding towards maintenance of roads? I hope it can. Okay, Norman Collier, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate you coming
0: on the programme. That was of course Waka Kotahi's Norman Collier. Kia itatunu maira, e After the break on the Hui, we meet Te Arua's young media moguls who started a whānau business in COVID. Now they're broadcasting to the world. A group of young rangatahi in Rotorua are looking to change the broadcasting game in Aotearoa. Local Gecko Productions is a no run business specialising in live streaming community, sports and cultural events. In just a couple of years, they've built their reputation in the local industry and they're already providing a path for rangatahi to enter the media industry. Anei te purungo? John Boyden.
8: Uh, cheer team. Obviously we've got a big setup already.
9: On the paddocks of the Te Puna Rugby Club in Tauranga...
8: We'll separate into our teams. First of all, we'll unpack the truck, make sure everything's all good to go.
9: The team from local Gecko Productions is prepping for its latest live-streaming broadcast.
8: I'll set up commentary cabin, headsets, mixers, monitor, and our shotgun audio. <laughs> <laughs>
9: Rotorua rangatahi, Alex Miller, runs this whānau-based media company.
8: To be honest, i kind of discovered this mahi on my own.
9: A path he discovered after his university study was disrupted by the COVID pandemic.
8: I'd worked my whole life towards kind of making a civil engineering career. And then going into COVID, I was really wishing to find a new skill, find something that was uh, new and different, and something that maybe I could just do on the side.
9: Alex started making social media videos with his whanau during lockdown. Well, oh, there's nothing to do around
8: here. Use your imagination. I just like the whole process, I guess. Coming up with an idea, trying to film it, see what that looks like. We tooted around with a couple of cameras and made some very funny uh, videos, Well, we think it's funny anyway. He learned how to edit.
2: We thought about it as maybe an opportunity to as a family do something together as a business.
9: Moana and Mike saw an opening for Alexander and to start live-streaming local events. They believed in it so much, they quit their jobs and Local Gecko Productions was born.
7: I was <laughs> scared shitless, to be
8: fair. I'd just spent 28 years uh, engineering. Yeah, that was my background, mechanical engineering, and we didn't know too much about the media side of it. So, let's get into it.
9: They've mortgaged their home and hustled to buy cameras, gear and broadcast equipment.
8: What's our shutter speed like?
2: He's grown into an astute businessman. He knows everything about the business. He's not just the creative side of it, but he's real clear about the direction that he wants the business to go in.
9: The foundation of the business is giving high school-aged rangatahi the chance to work and learn about media production.
2: A lot of our cousins and that will send their children with us, and they feel safe sending their babies into work with us.
9: This crew of rangatahi handles almost all aspects of the broadcast, from operating cameras to using drones, taking photos and directing action from the control
8: room. 40 seconds, guys. There's a lot of uh, comms going out, a lot of good comms and not so good comms. We're on you now. Go, commentary. Yep. Yep. and welcome to the Tupuna Tens Club Rugby Tournament coming to you live from Park here in Tupuna.
9: Of-
7: they love to tell us how good they are. I can tell
8: you that much. <laughs> 35, next five, five. five. But you know, we, we're very proud. It's not just about the skills they learn behind the camera, there's a lot of stuff they need to learn about sort of working as well, their working lives.
9: Alex is putting the whole whanau to work. About 30 seconds, guys, and then we'll come back to you. His little brother riding shotgun.
8: So far, it's going pretty good. We had a little bit of a hiccup at the start, just a little bit of lag on our part, but we've managed to sort it out. Oh
9: his dad behind the camera, while his mum is sorting any issues on the field.
2: One of the issues that we're kind of having is the scoring for the game. Because there's no linesman to tell you if they've scored or not.
8: She's pretty much the producer on the day. That so shouldn't take long. She gets everyone in line and just tells everyone, "This is what you've got to do. Hurry up and get it to me now." Need that kind of person.
2: We can't see if the score has been. So you need
8: the referee
2: to get. We, we need the ref. So we're going to take it from the refs. So whether it goes over, whether it's scored, yep. all of that. She's Thanks, sorry. Pat. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Like this is the first time that they've ever broadcast this event. People never used to broadcast at this level before, but it's really
8: normal now. lovely bit of footwork, one, two. One of
9: their whānau members they regularly work with is Norm Rahere. It's an eye-opener
8: from wherever you're
0: from. Look at that.
9: He works at Iwi Radio and is supporting the crew by commentating on today's game.
0: It's good to have a live stream because
9: we can actually reach our, our whanau and our supporters from overseas or outside of the region as well. As a former player at Te Puna, Norm sees the benefit of live streaming the event. Obviously, if someone's watching the live stream on, on that radio station or local Gecko, then sponsors will go, well, you will willing to be part of that, because people are watching it.
0: Huge potential, huge potential.
9: It's the following day and Alex has been asked to help live stream a charity event in Oturua. Today
3: it's a koha
8: for all of I Definitely
9: want to go out and do it. Local Tiarua Kapahaka groups are hitting the stage, fundraising for the victims of Cyclone Gabriel.
8: It's so cool to be able to kind of do stuff for Māori, for um, my iwi, my hapu, and to be able to do it with the people I know and people that I've grown up knowing. Alex is here
9: offering a helping hand, alongside the media industry mentors who've supported his journey so far.
8: It was just kind of cool walking in today and just kind of getting the vibe of like, cheer my bro, cheer my whanau. What's the best part about being involved in this Māori media space? Knowing that it's for our people, knowing we're kind of doing something bigger than ourselves.
9: And it's a space where local gecko is carving a place of its own. We see
2: that this digital space is exploding, but we don't know what it's gonna look like. And over the next two to three years, it's gonna develop exponentially, and it's gonna develop fast. And our team are ahead of that game.
8: The sky's the limit for any of these rangatahi. They're gonna be the ones that will lead us, so nah, it's gonna be cool. Future's gonna be awesome.
0: That's my cousin, too much here, te whānau. Uh, Before we go, here's a quick look at what's coming up on the show next week. They're the young wahine Māori creatives at the forefront of reviving Ōte, an ancient lost
8: art form.
5: You can bring something back that was kind of on the brink of non-existence
0: how there or Māori tapa cloth art, is making a comeback.
5: It's really important to think of aute as something bigger than just ourselves. It's something that belongs to iwi Māori and to wahine Māori as well.
0: And ensuring its survival for the next generation. It'd be so
2: lovely to have a lot of people that want to practise aute and that love it. And I hope that that is what our future holds.
0: That's our hui this week. at join us next week for more. You can watch all our stories on our Facebook pages and hui social media platforms, as well as on YouTube, and you can find them on newshub.co.nz. Kawaii wai hei rangatira mō tātou, ko ko wai, anō. Kia ki te tūranga. O taiki Te puna whakotonga rewa, te hui, i tautoko.